Hi there, it's Louise Schofield, co-founder of Precure, and I'm here with Grant Schofield talking about exercise, physical activity and health, and especially in relation to chronic disease. So we're talking about how does exercise and physical activity affect cancer in terms of prevention and managing, in terms of diabetes, dementia, cardiovascular disease. So, Grant, tell us well, more I, about I, this. And I'll add another fifth there, which is really around arthritis and joint and back health as well. I think those are chronic issues that we probably don't talk about in exercise, particularly good at helping those. So, the thing is with exercise, I've talked a lot about exercise and the health benefits of exercise, but once you start to think about them in terms of a medical setting, well, you can talk about two types of things. One's primary prevention, which means to stop them happening in the first place and being active and exercising is a crucial factor in that. I've talked quite a lot about that previously but the idea is that if you move your body across a range of activities and you do both vigorous activities, some resistance training as well as just moving about at a moderate activity for, for your general life, then what you'll find is that that people are healthier right from infants where their bone health and their cognitive development improves through to through to children where again those things happen that stops you becoming overweight doesn't necessarily treat overweight very well as we start to age when we start to get actual conditions like things like depression and anxiety the risks for cardiovascular disease those all are mitigated hugely by being active and to me it's still the number one thing that's missing in the medical system is, is a discussion and use of this as medicine. Absolutely, I've heard you talk about exercise, physical activity as the magic pill in terms of we're very, what if there was a single, what if there was a medication your doctor could prescribe that in fact was known to prevent all of these chronic diseases. And, and to the magnitude it does, that's right. So. It's interesting in the medical system because, and there's a lot of commentary around this at the moment, I frankly agree with it, that, that modern medicine tends to be focused on pharmaceutical solutions as, as first-line prevention and first-line treatment. And nothing could be more stark in the things like we talk about in the metabolic syndrome, which are the, the cluster of risk factors for, for not having a great life and developing these chronic diseases as you get later on. So being uh, fat around your tummy, visceral fat, having high blood pressure, um, having poor blood lipids, having poor blood glucose and insulin resistance. And the first line treatment for those tends to be statin medication, antihypertensive, so blood pressure mitigations, and, and a, a range of, of relatively futile tablets to manage blood sugar, although metformin is probably effective. But taken together, those medications compared to the effect of getting active and exercising are, are minuscule, yet we spend billions worldwide on these relatively futile treatments when we've got much better ones at hand. Absolutely, and, and, and in fact, one of, that's one of the core messages of Precure is lifestyle medicine before prescription pills. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah no brand. So you're talking about primary prevention, so exercise, being active, 
in a in a primary prevention state. You you, you mentioned secondary. Okay, so secondary yeah, is, is also crucial and it's probably a really important thing in a society and actually stands less in the short term to save more money and add more quality to life. So if you've had a heart attack, you've had a stroke, you've you've got cancer, you develop diabetes or type two diabetes, then you've developed rheumatoid arthritis or back pain, then the extent to which being active and exercising helps mitigate you getting further problems or reverses the symptoms and the condition as well and there's sort of various aspects of that like some things you're not going to reverse so we know that exercise and physical activity really helps mitigate the symptoms of dementia and Alzheimer's. The ability to reverse it once you've got it though is not known or is probably limited at this stage. Right, whereas for example uh, type 2 diabetes in fact the ability to reverse that. Yeah, so, so you, can, you, can, you can remove your diagnosis of diabetes. Sure, look I, I think that's really interesting when we talk about secondary, uh, secondary, how do you say it, prevention? Secondary, secondary care. Secondary care when you've already got a chronic disease because I'm, what springs to my mind is, is quite often you know if, you, if somebody you're about to sign them up for an exercise program I don't know if this is in the old days or if it still happens, but usually there's quite big warning. Have you have you suffered from heart disease or make sure you check with your doctor first before beginning an exercise program? And I've always found that to be quite interesting. Yeah, so it seems been, to put people off. Well, there's been a uh, always been a move for sort of safety first, is when people should you know, check with the doctor. You've got clearance to exercise. It's like. I'd reverse it and go check with the doctor if there's any reason you shouldn't exercise. I think, yeah, that is that yeah. is fantastic because really uh, there, there must be very few medical conditions, in fact, where you, you, you shouldn't be moving or exercising like that. So I would say there's a few things that you consider about when you shouldn't exercise. One is, is uncontrolled severe hypertension, so really, really high blood pressure runs would be, would be what we call contraindicated, but that needs to be medicated in the first instance and brought down and then of course you should exercise because that's going to help further mitigate the problem but we're talking about severe hypertension not about just average to high blood pressure if you're sick with a viral condition especially something like a seasonal flu where it's migrated down and become a bacterial infection it's got into your chest anything below the shoulders basically I think you should be avoiding exercise at that point right and, yep. and if that's reasonably obvious and another one is that you're injured to a point that the exercise makes the condition worse. Now that that's an interesting one. I mean obviously breaking your leg you don't want to be going for a run. Sure but, but uh, what about back pain? No so that's clearly one so a lot of people have sore backs and they're having trouble moving they might be bedridden in actual fact we know that the single best treatment is to get moving and it often seems counterintuitive to do that but uh, I mean. Uh, uh, sure okay so let's take each of the big chronic diseases in turn and look at where the evidence is and what ca- what you can do in terms of physical activity and exercise. So heart disease. So well, heart disease is a, a variety of things. So you get the idea that you accumulate the atherosclerotic plaques and the arteries around the heart, the coronary arteries. So the these aren't the big tubes coming in and out of the heart. They're the, the, the smaller blood vessels that, that supply the actual blood, the oxygen and the fuel for the heart function. And those become harder and narrower. Well, first of all, exercise keeps them flexible and wider and prevents those plaques developing in the first place. Then you can get a situation where you end up with a heart attack. So heart attacks when 
one of those plaques breaks off and ruptures and, and blocks the coronary artery. Now that could be potentially fatal because if it's right up the top of where the blood supply is and there's no blood supply to the heart, it's not going to sort itself out, that's the end of you. But sometimes those are further down and so you get a heart attack or as doctors will call it a myocardial infarction and you'll end up with a downstream part of the heart dying off and so, so you've now got what we call heart failure which sounds bad uh, and it's not great but it's not like the whole heart's failed it means that a small part of the heart muscle has failed and so you can end up with a heart that's still beating and perfectly functional but just there's less muscle. So let's talk about that in terms of physical activity movement. Well exercise and physical activity is good for the heart it keeps that heart muscle in a state of stress occasionally so it builds itself up like any other muscle so it's bigger and stronger than it was and if you've lost part of your muscle that's I hope for most people reasonably obvious why you want to keep it going so so subsequent to a heart attack you're going to help keep the blood vessels in, in as best possible condition and if you've ended up with a heart attack ended up with some heart failure part of the heart's died off which is quite common then you'll end up with a situation where you need to keep the heart more functional so exercise is really a great medicine in terms of those all those vascular and heart conditions. Right, and so there really is no no basis for the opinion that your more heartbeats, your heart will eventually wear out, and so you should well, conserve the number of heartbeats. Well, <laughs> well, I think that actually, I think there is something to that. So this is the oh really? <laughs> yeah. So 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 this is the idea that that one of the reasons your dog doesn't live as long as you is it's just oxidising its tissues away faster, its heart rate is much, much higher than yours. So your dog might have a resting heart rate of 130, 140. And the idea is that it's, we're all oxidising to death. So we, we age and then there's end up not much left of us and that's, that's the end of us. There's so, a thought so, for you, oxidising <laughs> to death. Anyway, but so then this is always my, my high school English teacher used to have this theory, he was quite a large Hungarian man. And he would say, well, Schofield, why are you exercising? You're just going to wear yourself out fast. You've got a limited amount of heartbeats. And about 20 years later, I, th I got a spreadsheet and I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to simulate this. So I ran some simulations. And of course, the thing that he forgot is that the benefit of being fit is that you have a much lower resting heart rate. Of course. So, so while you're exercising, your heart rate is increased. But the overall number of beats that you have mean that you'll actually end up, if, if it was a limited finite, finite number of heartbeats that you had in your life, you actually get another 10 years, which is about the longevity that exercise adds on average so I don't know if that's true or not but yeah, I've, I've, that, that's what I did in my spare time. Sure certainly interesting and I actually had never thought that through in terms of why do dogs for example have a radically shorter lifespan than humans. Yeah so there's some there you go. evidence for that. Alright cancer so 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 I secondary so have a diagnosis of cancer exercise and health. So first line treatment of cancer are the chemotherapy, surgery and radiotherapy, and we're not discounting those as futile, although sometimes they add in some conditions that they, there's variability in how much quality and quantity of life they'll add depending. Some cases they'll add decades to your life and reverse the cancer, which is great. In other cases you might get another 1.2 months or something out of the treatment. So people need to consider that for the start when they're choosing their treatments. In all cancers, when that's studied in, in groups, then being active and exercising increases survival. It reduces death from anything. It reduces death from the cancer and it 
and increases remission from the cancer. And the most effective interactions, in other words, between the cancer and the exercise are for breast and colorectal cancer, where the effects are really quite strong. So you're seeing a, a 50% increase in your chances of survival and, and chances of remission if you get active in exercise. And I think that's astonishing. This is better than the best other treatments. So combined with the other best other treatments, then you get this increased effect. So I'm not saying forget your oncologist's point of view and what that, that evidence says, but if you're not adding exercise in and being active, then you're missing one of the most effective treatments. And I think that's a shame that there's not more discussion and, and formal practice around this. Absolutely, and that's what Precure is, is all about, Grant. So we will be getting that message out there. We'll be training the oncologists in the new... This is the medicine of the future, lifestyle medicine. Let's bring it alongside those more traditional treatments. Yeah, and uh, I, so, so I think what, the thing to think about it, because you, you talk to your average specialist and go, oh, no, I don't think they'll do it, so I won't mention it. And I just think that's it, we need to sort that out. Surely, and there's, uh, there cannot be a more teachable moment, mm-hmm. a more you're diagnosed with cancer. Surely, I know there is a, there is there's one opinion that says, Oh, well, just you don't know how long people have got. Let them do whatever they want. But I think giving them the option of what the what the 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 science and the treatment evidence is is crucial. And even let's just say it had no effect on the remission or the treatment of the cancer. We do know in terms of mood and feeling good and quality of life, it's certainly going to help with that. Absolutely. Great. All right. So we've done heart disease. We've done cancer. Let's look at diabetes. Diabetes, unless type 2, is a problem of, in the first instance, insulin resistance and then uh, high insulin and then no matter, eventually you become so insulin resistant that no matter how much insulin you produce, you can't remove the sugar from your blood, so you end up with sugary blood. And the problem with sugary blood is it's, it, it's toxic, it damages, it inflames and glycates everything it touches. And insulin in itself is also a growth factor, so it promotes... Uh, fat storage and, and growth in the size of you as a human, but it also promotes growth of other things like uh, uh, tumours and those sorts of things. So diabetes is a sort of pre-disease in many ways, so you don't end up dying from diabetes, you end up getting cancer or, or cardiovascular disease or something, but in of itself it's also an issue. The thing is with exercise, exercise gets glucose out of your system because it burns it, Sure. and it makes you more insulin sensitive. And to that extent, exercise is crucial for a healthy life because being insulin sensitive and keeping your glucose under control are the conditions that precede all the other chronic diseases as well as just getting diabetic in of itself. Absolutely. I think there's a lot more understanding now that in fact heart disease, cancer to some extent, diabetes, dementia, that they're all vascular diseases with, with with a similar root cause, is that correct? Well that's right, we should just explore Alzheimer's and, and dementia, especially vascular dementia here, because they you've really started to fully understand that the risks for for cognitive health as you age are vascular and therefore because exercise and activity have such a powerful effect on the vascular system then they mitigate the effects. And I think of anyone that of the chronic diseases, like no one wants any of them, but Alzheimer's and dementia would be 
amongst the worst. A absolutely, and, and from a personal point of view, it really speaks to me. My grandmother died Alzheimer's. It's certainly in my family, and I'm as a as a middle-aged female, I'm very very aware and scared, to be frank, of of the dementia, Alzheimer's. That type. if I had to bet on what what was going to get me, I'd say that was it. You might say it's got me now. I might you know, I forget things already. But but of course, I exercise for enjoyment. But that's in the back of my mind. Well, at least you can still remember that. The... <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I think the reality is that if you're taking account of your lifestyle, that you're going to you massively reduce your chances of getting these. It's not to say you won't, but you're in a totally different category than people who are inactive and eating poorly and, and that sort of thing. Absolutely. So now let's talk about arthritis, those other sort of other inflammation Type. Yeah, sort of inflammatory conditions that you've got sore joints, you don't feel like moving at all, but again, like back pain, counterintuitively, the more you do, the better you get, and so that's just an absolute no-brainer. There's going to be some discomfort, but not as bad as the discomfort of not doing it. Sure. All right, so really, that is exercise, physical activity, and chronic disease. That's a wrap. <laughs>